This week on Media Delta, Ghost in the Shell, a movie that can truly stand alone above the others. Hello and welcome to another episode of Media Delta. Um, we have a kind of a famous movie. Uh, I feel like this movie was always the like back at least in like for at least in my early anime days. Uh, I feel like there was always two movies that got brought up. Uh, like if you mentioned that you were into anime, like kind of as like the the uh, not the baby's first step, but like the entry level uh, anime movies uh, to watch. Um, first one being Akira. And the second one being what we were talking about today, and that is Ghost in the Shell. Uh, but Ghost in the Shell, by as it as the entirety of Ghost in the Shell is far more than just a movie. Originally started out as a manga, then became the movie, uh, then became a standalone complex, and then kind of even expanded out from that. Oh, come uh, on, you and, forgot about Innocence. Well, there's also Ghost in the Shell Two, Innocence, and a few other things. I can't quite remember. Uh, also the game that we played and the reason why we're taking a look at this. Um, so, um, yeah, we watched the original, like the original called the movie. Uh, there was a 2.0 release, which added a few scenes uh, and changed a little, kind of did like, if you remember the Star Wars special editions when they first came out, kind of did that treatment, except I don't think that to that quite of an extent. Uh, but I do know that I, don't exactly know what they are uh, but i know that there were some changes that some people did not like but yes uh, we are specifically going to be talking about the original release although 2.0 is pretty much the same like it's close enough uh if you watch either one it's you'll get pretty much the same experience well not the same experience but you'll get you, you'll get the gist of it like i don't think you'll I mean, miss out on anything the, the new scenes don't look neat but yeah yep uh so Yes, uh, I was not the only one who watched it, so please introduce all yourselves. Hi, I'm Carnival, and she's so cold and human. Oh. Uh, this is Norman Rafferty, this is my voice, now you have to find my body. Uh, I'm Torpid Typist, and some say to this very day, nobody's sure if I actually have a ghost. Okay, uh, so yes, um, let's see, just doing the thing that I should have done, had the thing up. Uh, so yeah, Ghost in a Shell, when did you originally come out? Was it like late eighties? I think. Um, nineteen ninety-five. Oh, that was a movie. But did the manga come out in ninety-five? Oh no, the manga's way older than that. Yeah, I'm trying to figure. Uh, let me see about that. Yeah, because I was a fan of the manga, and then of course there's a translation issue. Uh, so. the the original Ghost in the Shell manga ran in Japan from April nineteen eighty-nine to November nineteen ninety, which is later than I thought. Because I thought this was like mid to late. 80s instead of just like right at the tail end but uh yes well, uh, yeah this is after shiro this is after Appleseed was done and this is after dominion tank police was done and black magic 88 this is pretty late yeah or mid stride for shiro yep and yeah uh the mangaka of this or uh, was a uh, masamune shiro who this very much fits his style like uh it this and Appleseed, i feel are very like if I remember correctly, isn't there isn't it a, like a shared universe at some point, or is it all completely different? Like I know that they're like I know Severo uh, is in multiple, but yeah, I can't remember I was, if it's all a same universe. It, yeah, I was going to mention some things like Severo, uh, the arms company, show up as kind of rhyming things, but no, like at, 
Appleseed and Ghost in the Shell have some, you know, ideas that overlap, but um, they have different versions of Japan, so uh, they, they're really not the same thing. Okay. Because yeah, I couldn't... Rem- oh, yeah, definitely theming. Um, but yeah, I couldn't remember if they were supposed to be in some same yeah. universe or something. Tell me your fucking feelings on transhumanism. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, that's... Yeah, that is very much what this one's about. Because um, I don't think either of the other ones went into that kind of uh, territory. Um, but yes, um, I think... Uh, I think basically what we should probably just do is actually get into uh, the questions and we'll probably bring oh, yeah. some of this more Sorry. information up. Uh, I, uh, I did some looking up. Uh, apparently, Apple C is supposed to take place way in the future after Ghost in the Shell. Huh. I thought, hmm. But uh, it's kind of loosey-goosey, you know. You know yeah. how it is. All right. Um, so, uh, first question. Uh, Carnival, uh, what were your general impressions and is there any th- particular element you'd like to bring up? Uh, I'm sure we'll come back around to this. Like, I enjoyed this. Uh, this was the first time I've actually seen the original Ghost of the Shell. Hell, this is, I only just when Torpid started showing Standalone Complex, that's the first time I've seen Standalone Complex. So this was nice getting to see this thing that's like, I know this is referenced everywhere, but in my we- in my just kind of weird, just timing is like, yeah, uh, this is the stuff that I know by osmosis, but never actually have seen. Though probably the thing would just, because I was watching Standalone Complex at the same time, it's like, ah, stop, the voices, the voices. Yep, there was quite a difference. Well, not quite a difference. There was a, at least a at least a six-year, like at, or at most a six-year difference between the two. I mean, yeah, the, the Carnival means a change in... Uh... Voice talent, because yeah, the major was the big one as well as Togusa. Yeah, uh, Bato is the same though, which yes. is nice. It also weird at the same time. Yeah, because just that he's weird member, con- right? one he's, constant. Yeah, he's been in in like U.S. voicing forever, right? Yeah, Richard Epcar. He's a name that I've heard a lot. Yeah, he's around forever. He he, he does work. Um. But yeah, uh, any particular thing you'd like to bring up? Uh, no, not particular. Well, I guess I do appreciate that it's it presents like, yeah, cybernetics, eh, they're not bad, but it's just they're expensive. So, yeah, expect to be completely owned by whoever is paying them. Okay. Uh, Rafferty. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with this movie because uh, I... Uh, I agree with almost everyone. Like it, it looks wonderful. I think uh, I've only seen the original, not the Redux version. And the original was the first to use like many digital effects, such as the holographic camo, uh, and and the talents clearly on display. The city scenes look gorgeous. The water and reflections look wonderful. Uh, it, it it's way up there with Akira in terms of beautiful cityscapes. And I think it looks wonderful. It's also a pretty like talky and cerebral movie that's got some high concepts in it why the reason why i say hate relationship is the manga goes into much greater detail on some of the concepts that the movie would be and and the movie goes off in a couple other directions that i think are a little um like it's that adaptation to make it a little more palatable to audiences that i could go into detail when we're talking about more about the movie so i agree that it's a great movie and i think people should see it but the manga is is just so much better, and um, 
I, I would be more irritated if standalone complex hadn't come out. Standalone complex is a foil to this and among us. So yeah, um, I, I, that's, I have a complicated relationship. Yep. And uh, one that is very easily explainable because uh, as you mentioned, um, Azumi Nishiro was the main director or the main director behind the manga, or I guess. The, since, the creator of the manga. Yeah. yeah so creator of the manga. Yes. Um, but uh yeah, the movie itself uh, was directed by one Mamoru Oshii, uh, which I am a huge fan of his works. Um, one of his, like, talky cerebral is basically his shtick, um, because we've actually talked about one of his other things that he's kind of a big, like, like the big brain. Yeah, one of the big brains behind, uh, and that was Pat Laborde. Uh He is one of the people behind Headgear. Uh, so... He was heavily involved in that, but also he is involved in another, probably one of my favorite anime movies of all time, uh, which was Jinro the Wolf Brigade. Uh, he is the mastermind of the Kerberos saga, which is very much a, oh, look at this cool mech thing. Oh, wait, this entire movie is in drama about a uh, relationship between a cop and a terrorist, essentially. And fascism. Yes, and, and fascism, but the, 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 the armor looks really cool. The armor looks really cool. <laughs> the is heavy machine gun go burr burr burr. Jinro is basically the post like that like Jinro and Gundam are the poster boy of that one meme that is basically uh the guy staring at like oh cool, cool power armor and like plot like plot in fascism is evil is just flying overhead. Uh but yeah, that is kind of an example of more Oshi's work, and that is very much on on show in this movie. Uh it is very prevalent and it is yes a very much a talking movie uh with a it does the i will say though the action movie or scenes in this movie are pretty good too but they are very sparse super fucked up p9 yeah yes that that Uh, those elements those elements did make it in the movie uh but uh referee i would say part of also the 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 issue with how it's all pared down and all that is is just a struggle of sort of adaptation and the medium they chose because like it's hard to bring a lot of that into a movie without it just kind of being bogged down by it i mean a little bit but yeah later when we're talking about deeper parts of the movie i uh i would agree with you except i can also get segments out of standalone complex that did the same thing in only five to ten minutes so uh, because to be fair standalone complex had two cores for for a single season to get through all that as well, whereas this is just uh, an hour and fourteen. I I I, I could go into a, a a deep dive on this, so I I don't want to yeah, eat up no, your no. time because I want to know how I want to know how you felt about the movie. To be fair, it's it's still your turn, but yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I want I want to hear how you felt about it. Yeah. So, okay. Yep. Uh, I really fucking like this movie. It's really good. It's really gorgeous uh i i think this uh to go into a few other things i think the soundtrack is actually really fucking good and really unique oh yeah i, I forgot soundtrack yes is absolutely amazing uh i'm trying to remember who did the yeah it was, I believe it was IG. production ig yeah ig has basically had their fingers in this fucking pie since day one <laughs> uh and they do good work but yes, they uh, do uh, it's 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 just it's uh if we're talking like the animation's absolutely gorgeous uh character designs are very hmm? i i do want to interrupt my question so when you say the soundtrack is great are you talking about the u.s soundtrack or the japanese soundtrack 
Oh, there's a difference? Uh, the, yes, the English soundtrack has U2. Okay, see, I've never actually heard... Huh. Yeah, I don't remember that in the cut that we had. Yeah, no. There was no U2 in the cut that we had. Oh. Huh. I oh, watched yeah. the VHS. Oh, collaboration between U2 and uh, Brian Eno. Okay, uh, it just made oh, the cut. Oh, apparently the ending theme. Yeah, also, yeah. it may have been in the cut that we had, which was this that I think it was. Yeah, they they probably went back to the Japanese version. So I was just curious what you thought of the U2 song that's in it. No, no, never heard the U2 song, uh, thankfully. I, I figured you guys did not hear the cut with U2. No. No. Uh, no, the actual music itself is is incredibly unique with like heavy use of uh, sort of vocals. Uh, and also, uh, something that wasn't used in like standalone complex. Uh, is is the the sort of look and aesthetic for this is is much more heavily in like uh sort of built out slums and i guess the whole sprawl look uh yeah the Calhoun wall city thing that was like everywhere in cyberpunk yeah it, it was very very visually striking uh made for a lot of interesting uh shots just put up against it uh, and I said the character designs themselves are very unique and interesting. Also, Major has wicked fucking crazy eyes in this. Uh, she does. But, she does have a very uh, distinct stare in this adaptation. Just very, very like pale blue eyes. And goddamn, yeah, it's 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 incredibly distinct. Uh, and yeah, it does wax philosophical, uh, definitely, but not as much as some later properties would. Also. Uh, definitely a lot less than Innocence, which is basically Bato waxing philosophical for about an hour and a half. Yeah. And then things happen. I mean, like, if I want to interject, this movie is kind of like the Susan Kane of anime. And the fact that if you go back, people will go back and watch Susan Kane, they go, what's the big deal? I've seen this before. And it's because every movie is ripping off Citizen Kane, which was the first movie to have those kinds of cuts. So here we are in Ghost in the Shell. It's like, no, every movie looks like Kowloon Walled City with these cybernetic babes with their weird thousand yard stare because it was in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Uh, for more blatant example, see Oni or Perfect Dark. Uh, or at least in video games. Um, so yeah. Um, anything else you want to add? Um... Not off the the top of my head. We can get into a deeper dive after, but yeah. All right. Um. Yeah, my thoughts are generally like I I definitely like like this movie. Um, it is definitely uh, I would say I definitely like. It's weird because overall, I would say I like this movie, but the more that I kind of just realize that I just as I'm watching this, it's like. Huh, like I like this, but for some reason, like there's something keeping me from really loving this movie, if that makes sense. Like it's just like, oh, this is neat. But for some reason I don't have the attachment that I would say to other things. And I don't know why, which is weird because I really like um Moroshi's other work. Uh, it's just something about this particular like adaptation. Like I've been watching standalone comics as well. And I do really like that show. Like I do have a better kind of like I, if I like like the um like the meat of standalone comics, like that's something I can I can get behind. But I will say I really like the look of the movie. Uh but if I were to watch um 
one or the other, I think I'd still rather watch standalone complex. Um, there's just something about the movie that it's just like my eyes glaze over just a little bit. Um, I mean, uh, I'm with you. Cause like I said, I, I, I love the way this movie looks, but I think the key difference is that I think standalone complex is a slightly smarter show because I think the, the characters interact a little bit better and fight a little bit more and have little better agendas. Whereas I think standalone complex, not standalone, sorry, the movie, 1994 movie has some very good visual elements. And a lot of times something is chosen because it will look good or use the CGI effects and is missing a lot of the, who are these people and why are they doing these things? And it, it, it's not terrible, but I think it like, there's just little bits that goes to the movie often chooses visual hype over better storytelling in a couple key places. And I think that might be what, what you're missing because standalone comp, uh, the standalone complex is different where it's got less visuals, but more story. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, I would say the, the ghost in the shell movie is a good chunk. It's just shit kind of happens. And then the plot happens later on in the movie. Like, like compare it to the standalone complex, both the uh, the laughing man and the individual eleven had a lot more presence as I guess you could call them antagonists uh, than say the puppet master did, who just mostly appeared near the end. Yeah, that that well, they're following the the manga was originally a lot more like standalone complex first gig, where it was like a yeah. dozen or so serial stories, mostly standalone. Uh, and, and in fact, the movie apes that structure, like, because the puppet master shows up in like a real two or whatever, disappears from the movie and then comes back uh, at the end. Uh, and that kind of mirrored what the manga was doing, which was the puppet master shows up and then disappears and comes back. Whereas, you know, if, if they were going to do that, if the movie's going to be about the puppet master, um, spoilers, everybody, uh, then it's got. They didn't do a very good job of weaving it. I, I, like I said, I think the problem is, as much as I love the garbage men scene, uh, um, that goes on very long and becomes the centerpiece everyone remembers. And it's like, oh, wait, wasn't this a movie about transhumanism? Yeah, like, I think that's also part of the problem is that, like, I just had a big problem trying to keep, like, some of the plot elements straight, like, trying to... Like realize like oh what happened at the end with the puppet master like there's just little bits and pieces that I felt like I missed throughout the movie, um it, which threw me off a little bit. But yeah, yeah and like I said, I, I'm blaming the movie for that because one thing the movie doesn't do that the manga does is when, when um the major and the puppet master are talking in the heads, the movie just has them either kind of lying there with voiceover or it does cutaways to other scenes that are going on. But in the manga, there's like, they have an interactive visual. The puppet master doesn't describe, I need to merge with you to evolve, to have robustness. There's visual aids of here's all that stuff kind of happening. And like little to none of that made it into the movie. So you have this disjointed ending of the movie where everybody's talking about all these big ideas, but they're not showing you the big ideas. And that's a weird directorial choice that makes, you know, like I think might be some of your disjunction here. That, that could be, um, I have not actually read the manga, but I, I I'll take your word for it. Cause I, 
I have I've I fully read Appleseed, so I know that that stuff can definitely get through. So, yeah, I guess that's my general thought. And for like a particular moment, um, I the one thing that I just remember is that basically, like I said, the action in this movie because it, it's just an anecdote because I it's the thing that I remember about this movie because uh, back when I would say I was about oh say let's say twelve like maybe very early um kazades like this is around the time that i was getting into anime uh and i happened to acquire this movie through uh a one file sharing service i can't remember exactly which one uh but this was like one of the first movies i actually downloaded and i remember watching it uh and at that time uh i was not huge into uh gore uh so watch a movie i'm like oh this is kind of neat like there's people standing there uh then that guy's head explodes and i immediately close the movie and never watch it yes. again for about six years fucking years. turn to paste yeah yep so uh, the movie is incredibly detailed with its gore too not just with that but like seeing fucking cyber bodies torn apart or, or at the end the major trying to tear open the fucking tank and her body tearing to pieces yeah uh yeah this this movie is very detailed about its gore like that dude's chest exploding mm-hmm. um yeah so that's just the thing that i always associate with this movie but yeah um so uh with that uh let's move on to our next question which is dorpo how do you feel about the setting and characters as i said the setting's really interesting it's also nice having one of those settings that doesn't judge people for having uh, full body prosthetics and the like it's, it's always appreciated because cyberpunk can get weird and shitty about that stuff uh but just in general i think it's really interesting uh also the idea of a ghost the ghost which is basically a soul it's sort of uh and also all of this takes place in 2030 this is important to note <laughs> can't wait yeah, yeah. I love my full body prosthetics. I need them. Give me. Uh, <laughs> but the, the setting itself is is interesting enough, though there's not as much emphasis on it, per se. Most of it's mostly on the characters than anything. In Well, it isn't necessarily a bad thing. I, I do appreciate that, say, uh, standalone complex gets a lot deeper into that sort of thing. Uh, and once again, I, I've never read the manga personally, so I have no real opinion there but uh i i I don't know it's it's uh that said as far as like characters go in the movie the emphasis is mostly on three of them uh which is the major bato and the puppet master Uh, everyone else is just kind of there to facilitate the plot i guess you could say um no so yeah that, that i could definitely like I think the only other like character that you see a lot of is that director, was Aramaki, I believe his name. Oh is. yeah, uh, Chief Aramaki. Yeah, uh, you see it quite a bit of him. Like, yeah. uh, if you're like familiar with standalone complex, like Togusa appears, but he does not appear like that often. Like he 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 is relevant for like a handful of scenes, but he's not as big as he was in standalone complex uh actually going back to setting really quick there are some really terrifying existential bits 
uh, that do come up. I like ah, the idea I of love- a ghost hack, which is essentially yeah. completely losing your sense of self. Uh, like one man kind of losing it once he realizes all of his memories are completely fabricated and he doesn't know who he is. And it's like, Jesus Christ, that's fucking horrifying, actually. Yeah, like, um, the scene that's, like, where you finally realize that is, like, because you mentioned that, uh, like, there is a scene where basically it's two, these two garbage men who are basically, like, one of them's, the guy who's been hacked is having a conversation with the other one. It's like, it's like, yeah, I have, like, my wife, uh, is, like, like cheating on me or something like that, and I can't remember the full details. Uh, but yeah, like, number one, even let me see my kid. Like, my, here's a picture of my kid, and you don't get to see a picture of the kid. Uh, but the other guy is just like completely like yeah yeah like not even looking. Uh, but then they show the picture in the when he's getting interrogated. That's just a picture of him, and he can't even realize it because he's been kind hacked. Of horrifying. What was no, that? That's it because he's been hacked. Yeah, ghost yeah. hacked specifically, which is like essentially once again complete loss of self and just yeah. completely rewritten. Yeah, uh, and it's where the puppet master gets it. It gets uh, his their name from uh because essentially they will ghost type people and turn them into puppets because uh, that's what the garbage man was doing was he was doing uh, uh hacks along the route uh yeah which that's is why also he great. Would... Great. Mm-hmm. so that's why i kept stopping to do all the card stuff or whatever yep uh which is also great when you realize that they they essentially mentioned phone freaking at one point which is like ah uh, so beautifully off the time <laughs> it, it, wireless it's... what's that yeah that was wireless, but phone freaking is a very, like, specific thing. Like, to say how specific, I have no idea what that is. Uh, it is before be- your time. Yes, uh, because basically, if you remember hitting, like, a tone, you hear the different notes. Or, like, if you press different numbers, it'll make different sounds. And basically, it's using those sounds to, like, make it do specific things. Like, like give you free phone calling and that sort of thing. Like, putting in the command codes to basically unlock uh, higher modes. Which, yeah, by the time this movie came out in the 90s, that was not a thing anymore. Yep. Okay. Huh. Yeah. It was a very specific time and place. I'll take your word for it. It's it's a thing that sounds neat, but in effect was really mundane. Yeah. The movie doesn't make that that quite clear because in the manga the reason why he's going from place to place is so in theory because it's coming from different installations that the hacking that he's doing can't easily be traced to one single uh you know source so it's supposed to elude uh, elude detection that way but that's not the movie doesn't seem to make that clear to people well i mean i picked that up well i picked up on that i just the phone freaking in of itself that was a concept that is beyond me I think I think that's just a, a translation gaff. Yeah, uh, but no, it's it's yeah, it, it's all all that. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, once again, the main characters I'll say are are just uh, the major, who's essentially the main character, Bato, who's sort of a foil to the major actually, uh, and I think it works pretty well uh, in the puppet master, who is. I wouldn't quite say antagonist, but they are essentially the driving force in the plot. Uh, the the uh, in, fucking antagonist is Section 6, essentially. Uh, who, God, I forget what their official title is. Aren't they like, they're not the FBI, are they, aren't they like the cops, effectively? 
They're all cops. They're all different sections yeah. of the police department. Well, yeah, but I meant like the okay. Yeah, they're the CIA. That's what it is. Yep. Uh, public security section six: intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance. But uh, yeah. So the major, they don't go much into her background. So she's sort of mostly mystery, which works fine in the context of the movie. Uh, and is is brain no worky. <laughs> Um, so yeah, she's, she's generally this sort of mystery, but she's incredibly skilled, incredibly competent. All of, like, all of her, uh, subordinates respect her. Even the chief respects the hell out of her. Uh, but she's also someone who seems almost bored with life, in the movie at least. Uh, to the point where, like, one of her hobbies is just diving, uh, in the river. Just because there's the threat of not coming back up. Because uh, she has a fully prosthetic body, uh, so those are incredibly dense and heavy, and will just sink like a fucking rock, and she will die. Yes. But, yeah. At least that's the vibe she gives off to me. It's just this sort of like, sort of checked out. I guess. Uh, right. And just... I, I I think you're right. Where she's supposed to serve as a foil to Bata, uh, to to Shibato, who is very demonstrative with his emotions. Yeah. The the major definitely feels very detached uh, for much of it, uh, which is part of why she honestly <clears throat> because uh, really takes up the puppet master on his offer to give me a sec uh, takes up the puppet master on his offer to become something new. Uh, it's just because it's once again something new and exciting and different and a, a basically huge change and something completely unheard of. Uh, but just, yeah, in, in general, she's incredibly skilled, but has this sort of ennui to her, I guess. Uh, and then Bato is is a former ranger uh, who, who was brought on to Section 9. Uh, I don't think they go heavily into that in this, but he's got sweet bottle cap eyes. It's fucking sick as hell. Yeah, they're pretty good. <laughs> But Bato himself uh, is is an incredibly like passionate man. He wears his emotions on his sleeve. Well, it doesn't. It's not necessarily always a good thing. He, he he's just a really, I guess, fun and interesting character. He's got a lot of personality to him, which doesn't say the major doesn't. But it's sort of like two different opposite ends of the spectrum, uh, like opposite ends of the spectrum, where she's really cool, and he's just very hot blooded. He has a uh, very much. Uh sidekick in a buddy buddy cop movie vibes going through him yeah but is actually very competent incredibly competent now um to the point where he brings the fucking big ass gun that punches the holes in the tank yeah because he knew the major was in some deep shit yep bato's got your back bato's got your fucking back if there's anyone who's loyal to the major it's fucking bato Mm-hmm. Like, everyone respects the hell out of her, but he is 100% in lockstep with her, even when she does the crazier shit, like, merge with a fucking AI. Or try and rip open the hatches of a tank. Yeah, essentially tearing her body to pieces in the process. Well, it's it's funny to me, uh, you're illustrating one of the issues I have with the movie, which is when you say the three main characters are the Major, Bato, and uh, the Puppet Master, because it illustrates one of the failures of the movie is, what happened to Tetsuo? Remember him? Uh, nope. 
That's the um okay, well first of all, it's a little confusing because he has dark hair in the movie for some reason, but he's blonde in uh standalone complex oh, like oh, he is in the Togusa? Togusa. Togusa, my bad. I don't know what I said to say. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Togusa. Uh, my brain's Canada. not working. Togusa. <laughs> Sorry. I don't know why I said that. I apologize to Togusa. But yeah. Look, it, it, like, we mentioned the Akira comparisons earlier. It's fine. Yeah, I don't... Well, I'm also... Yeah, well, so Togusa just disappears. It's weird because the movie builds up Togusa as a... um, uh, You know, as in, you know, he's the rookie. Also, he's been put on the team because he doesn't have any cybernetic implants because we need to make sure that our team doesn't have any weaknesses built into it. Yeah, he's fully he's human fully... except for some brain implants. And they even mentioned that... And then it amounts to nothing. Right, which, first of all, is confusing, saying, well, he's fully human, except for the brain implants that allow his entire brain to be ghost-hacked, a phenomenon that we know already exists. So he doesn't really strengthen the team. And then, like I said, it, he's introduced as, like, he's going to be the rookie cop, maybe as a foil to our two jaded partners who are obviously experienced, because Bato and the Major have seen some shit. Also, the but, other idea is that the reason they brought him on is because he was actually, like, an actual proper cop, unlike these two who are, come from a military background. Right, but he disappears from the movie. Yeah, he, he just stops mattering uh, once the puppet master comes into play. Right, which, which, is a, which is a shame because he has got a bigger role in the manga. And uh, the thing that really just bothers me is that they felt like they had to change his, his hair color for the movie like I'm, I'm always wondering like what the design decision do they think he didn't look japanese enough or something yeah i think they're going for more sort of i guess down to earth coloring for them for whatever that amounts to like it, it i it's a weird choice and it's not really uh that important it's one again again it's one of those weird choices that seems to be made in the movie to make it more palatable to audiences or something like that that doesn't help the movie i mean it doesn't help and it possibly hurts the movie and and once again just to have them show up in the movie if he was just kind of there because he was in the manga that would be fine but they they spend a lot of time building him up and then he just disappears yep uh <clears throat> well yeah i was wondering if potentially the color like the hair color things was a like if for some reason the only reference they had was like the black and white pictures from the manga and like See, did not have any color except th they could call Shiro on the phone uh and, and also he's white haired in the manga so i don't i mean they they didn't make that mistake with bato also would they not have I had suppose. cover art to work off of or various yeah but they yeah, could I just suppose. call shiro it's not like you know he <laughs> wasn't alive yeah uh, no, i i think this is strictly a making it more palatable but um yeah it's really weird because they build togusa up a lot and he definitely plays a decent part early on uh such as firing the tracker uh which gets referenced in uh standalone complex actually uh, also his he never shutting up about his fucking pistol we get it you like it yeah it was basically it's that it's that great thing of uh like Manga writers that are really into guns, I take it via airsoft. Uh, so, like, they reference the fact that um, Togusa uses a what is essentially a future version of a natural gun that's called the Meitaba Auto Revolver, uh, which basically its thing is it is a revolver that is also semi automatic, which is weird 
um, but it looks really weird as well. Uh, it's a gun that also it's uh, Vash the Stampede's gun and Trigun is also based on that gun. Yeah, it's it's a weird French gun. If anything, the movie is downplaying it. the The manga will often have footnotes on the side that explains what's going on and the different tech uh, that's in there. So, if anything, the movie's downplaying it. Yeah. Oh yeah, those the like especially like Appleseed did the same thing, and that is there's an entire book that is dedicated to all the little technical details of all the different like things that are in the that universe. I like you said a book. There's more than one book. I have them. Okay, but what about that fucked up P90? Yeah, that that's just a Severo kind of thing where it is. He really likes his uh small like tiny tiny caliber weaponry. It is something well, it's not that is just also that. When I say the weird fucked up P90, I mean the P90, but also it has the mag in the front. Yeah, Despite yeah. her clearly breaking it open too. It it's weird. Um, it's, it, I mean, Shiro's it, it, dear to my heart because he's one of the few guys who actually worries about shell ejection. So, like, the big giant gun that Mateo brings at the end uh, as a specific shell ejector mechanism that they put some thought into. And whenever he has his characters shooting in the manga, they're, like, either holding their hands above the guns or they have shell catchers built into the guns to keep hot brass from spraying everywhere, including their faces. So, yeah, no, Shiro is a nut for this kind of stuff. The briefcase guns are a highlight of the movie. Everyone agrees on that. Yeah, they're fucking ridiculous, and I love them. Which, those are also great, because they are actually based on a real gun, except rather than in real life, the briefcase is just a gun, so you're expected to hold it sideways and just shoot, and it's just a briefcase. Yeah, which is, what, really weird. which is what they do in the manga. For some reason, the movie makes them eject, I guess, because it's Cause a better... it looks really cool. I mean, I personally prefer uh, guitar cases, but, you know, briefcase. Cannot be desperado. <laughs> so yeah um, if you were asking me about about the characters tits, uh um the hair the, the tetsuka is, is the thing that really just bothered me about it i agree with torpid on the other characters but th that that they could have just edited him out of the movie and it would have been a i would even argue it's a better movie if they edited him out that's also too because like they, they mentioned like offhandedly other members of section nine but for some reason he gets all lot of screen time for zero payoff yeah for, yeah. for basically no payoff because it, i don't know it it's what i mentioned before just like shit kind of happens up until the end where the plot actually happens but yeah so so there's those characters i guess yeah we went over toga's at length quite a bit funny enough that uh there's also uh the the chief armaki who's the leader of the bunch you know him well uh but other than that, that's that's pretty much all you need to know about him is that he's a section chief of Section Nine, uh, and then there's the Puppet Master, who is essentially uh, an AI built by the American government uh, and tossed out onto the net, and because of that, it eventually gains sentience. Yada yada. This thing that's been done to death, but it was more notable for the time, I guess is the way of putting it. It's it's another one of those things like just it, it's happened so much afterwards. It, it seems almost. Uh, Trade. Yeah. But, uh, so, so, it once again, uh, earned the, the name the Puppet Master because they essentially ghost hack people, turning them into puppets who don't even know who they are or anything like that. Just complete destruction of self, uh, such as the, uh, the, the garbage man who didn't know who he was or what he was. And this is a thing 
that happens, but nobody ever talks about it to the puppet master or judges him for it, and it's weird. To be fair, it didn't seem like they had a lot of time to do that said judging. Yeah, because uh, essentially what happens to the puppet master is they were trying, they found out about the major on the net uh, and wanted to get in contact with her, so they, they implanted themselves in a uh, fully prosthetic body just so they could make contact, and then they were caught by Section 6. Actually, no, I think they were caught by Section 9 uh, on purpose, and then Section 6 decided to try and come in and muck everything up. Well, who wouldn't want an AI that can ghost hack people on the fly? Yeah. Because it, it's implied that the puppet master, uh, even though it was it's self-aware, it was being coerced by the American government to do those things. And so in a moment of lack of supervision, um, now this always bugs me because like this is software. Software doesn't move. Software is copied. So the puppet master they're running into should more properly be called a copy. Uh, it, it, it's made clear in the um, manga that the puppet master doesn't just want to duplicate itself over and over again because it's worried that like a computer virus, if it's not polymorphic enough, it can be defeated or deleted. That's why it wants to merge with the major so it could be something that's something no one has ever seen before. Uh, it does mention that at length, actually. Uh in in during the end which is basically because uh, the puppet master's entire goal is essentially reproduction uh yeah it doesn't want to die just, yeah it doesn't want to die it wants a legacy but also it's it's reproduction essentially uh a, a big part of uh animals life cycle essentially and not just copying itself because as i said before uh, if it just keeps copying itself a virus can wipe out everything uh, so it just wanted to become, become something new and incredibly unique. Uh, and that's why it approached the Major, because it knew the Major was basically of a similar mind and would be open to it anyway. You're jaded, emotionless, and treat everybody like puppets. We should get together. Exactly! <laughs> uh, and then they do. But the movie never actually gets into the real ramifications of that. That's what Innocence is for. No! Actually! <laughs> Innocence is about Bato and his depression. <laughs> yeah, that that that's kind. That's a summary of the whole problem with all of this. It's not even addressed that much in the manga either. It's kind of like people talk about this movie as being a big, you know, it's a narration on transhumanism. Except it's not because it just kind of ends and no one cares. Uh, nothing is revealed to be that transformative, and then they stop talking about it. Yeah, it's a lead up to transhumanism, but it actually never really explores it that much. Uh, even the full-body prosthetics thing, it never really explores that much uh, and all that. Uh, though also, it's never judgy about it, which, once again, is nice. But just in general, it doesn't explore those themes as much as it could. And then Innocence goes off in a completely di different direction of Bato's depression. Uh, and also, uh, fucking human trafficking. But, uh, yeah, so, so in general, those are, like, the big movers and shakers of, of the movie. That's, that's, I think that's really all I have to say. Okay. Uh, Rafferty. Yeah, I, I agree with everything, and I already spoke my piece about how I think the, the ways it's still go. So, okay. Let's talk about Pazu and Boma. <laughs> Even in this movie? I don't think the, so. They're mentioned in name. I think Pazu is actually mentioned. Boma, yeah, I, don't I mean, think is mentioned. But pa Pazu is like secondary. Let like I said, if we're going if we're going to concede that there's only so much time they have in the movie, I would rather they delete characters and focus on Puppet Master, the Major, and Bato than put more people in. 
Oh, I was more joking because Pazumboma never gets screen time, basically. <laughs> Even in the show, they don't. And they'd have bad voice acting anyway. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Okay. I kind of can't really say anything more about the characters and stuff because we kind of already said that in the earlier. Just because it's like, yeah, it's every they they hit pared down, but it's kind of like their choices of what to pare down kind of like left things and just didn't get a chance to actually explore as much as I would have liked that standalone complex does better. Because once again, in total, it has four fucking cores to work with. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I, I just pretty much agree with everyone else. Like they basically said their pieces, like basically we've kind of gone really into it. Um, so, um, Carl, and I know this has been brought up before. Um, how do you, do you like the voice acting in this movie? It's not bad. It's just, my problem is I think the standalone complex voices are better, but that's also a result of like, the time that's happened between the original movie's dub and standalone complex was means that there's probably a change in philosophy for lack of a better word about voice direction like and part of it might have been just kind of the pace because bato who was in both standalone complex and this movie his dialogue feels very rushed because they're probably trying to do the whole keep up with the mouth laps kind of thing that in standalone complex you don't have that kind of same rushing to the dialogue that's about my biggest thing to mention. Okay. Uh, Rafferty. Um, like most people are going to say, yeah, I mean, Bato's voice actor in the English version is great. Um, I don't know if it's a casting decision, but they really needed to do something with, like, the end of the movie having all this talking and everyone's delivering it in in a, they've got that problem that i see in a lot of dramas where smart you know if you want to sound smart you should say everything in a determined monotone where everything is serious and earnest all the time and this entire like lack of inflection and so much talking word delivery uh is like i think contributes once again to this i had a similar feeling low it's like i should be enjoying this a lot more than i am to be fair, I appreciate Bato fucking losing it because he cannot hear what they're saying. Yes, but uh, but that's I think an example of you know, the actor rising to the occasion. Whereas I I think the uh, uh, like I don't know if it's a lack of direction or they're just not doing anything, but like they they, ha they had to be able to do something. You don't have that problem in standalone complex where everyone uh, is much better at delivering even the most boring lines. Okay, good. Is that, that it? Well, that's it for me. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Torpo. So in, in general, I think the voice work is done fairly well. Uh, there's a reason a lot of characters sort of carry over into standalone complexes voice cast. Though I will say, Togusa's, while different, uh, seemed pretty fine uh, overall, though I do like his standalone complex voice more. Uh, that said, Mimi Woods, uh, I don't think was that strong as the maid. Uh, to... To note, Mimi Woods uh, does not really have much voice work outside of this. The other only real notable thing she's done, that I know of at least, uh, is uh, Shayla Shayla from El Hazard. God, that... Which, like, in general, she seems to have dropped off the map from 2000 on. Hmm. Uh, 
but yeah, and I, I feel like because with Salem Complex, they they bring on instead uh, Mary Elizabeth McGlynn, who does an absolutely fucking fantastic job as the major, and also is definitely a lot more emotive than Mimi's performances. Well, yeah, I, I would agree because this is like the '90s. Like this movie came out in 1995, and apparently, I didn't know it was a box office bomb because every video store had this. This was a huge hit on video, and uh, I, yeah. I think. Oh, go ahead. As I say, yeah, it had a budget of ten million and made back forty-three, which is still pretty good. But uh, well, sorry, which is which is pretty good overall with the video sales. This yeah. is that that moment I think when uh, that transition. This is just before anime becomes very mainstream, especially when DVDs come out. And so uh, instead of instead of a lot of the uh, man, I'm trying to think of some of the lower rent studios like Studio AD and that kind of like like just some of the lower rent studios of the 80s and the 90s grabbing some random guys from down the hall to voice all this stuff or or uh, Screen Actors Guild people under pseudonyms. Uh, this is when this is the transition point where now you know they throw some serious money or have a serious stable of actors at it so this isn't that ugly transition phase and that's probably why you know some uh i, I think some of the old people might have been pushed out as as a newer breed of professional voice actor came in that's not to say anything down on the on the performance of the professionalism i think this is just like that kind of transition where you go back to 90s and 80s anime and the voice acting is not nearly as good as, as this and then you get to cowboy bebop and you know other stuff later yeah um also to go on your point of this being a box office bomb uh it's opening weekend uh for uh according to INV uh February 4th 1996 uh it made $2736 Jesus uh gross USA was uh $515,905 with a budget of 600 million yen so it does not list what it made in Japan, but I would imagine it was much more than that. Um, yeah, it's also, a real cult classic. I, I also wonder, just as a point, because I I just looked at the box cover or the box cover again, uh, and I'm just wondering how many sales of this movie were dedicated solely to that box art. Uh, People which, love machines. Uh, they love machines, especially ones that are not wearing clothes. Hell yeah, titty! It, it took me a while to like i i remember picking it up like the box up at the movie just to kind of take a look at it uh and then it was one of those things you look at something for like 10 seconds and you realize oh okay and i did not realize that she was in fact not wearing anything yeah no, it's it's great because it there, there's different kinds of titty you got yes. You got your normal titty with nip exposed but there's also titty without nip exposed because the weird skin tight optical camo suit yeah, but that's a classic, iconic cover, and and also surprisingly tame for a Shiro picture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say I've yeah. seen the the manga had much worse. Just a complete lack of fucking. What the hell? Yeah, in the movie that that definitely not in the manga. Oh yeah, no, no, I meant the movie. Yeah, there's yeah. fucking in the manga. Oh boy, there's so much fucking that he's even been on record like, wow, this one scene was completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah. Um. Yeah, that's, that's my opinion on the voice. So it, yeah. it See, I'm glad you brought that up because they make fun of that in uh, standalone complex. That one scene, it's hilarious. Uh, they keep referencing the falling out of the window scene. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it's so it, fucking iconic. It really is. 
her really weird slow fall. So what did you think of the voice acting, Lolo? Uh, it was good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can definitely see where it's like, oh, the people in this are actually, you know, not, not to besmirch anyone who had voice acted in an anime before, uh, but there is a, definitely a level of competence in this that is much higher than most other um, anime at that point. Unless you're talking about things that like, like, like things like Transformers, which got like actual voice actors in, like actual well, big names. That was like kids entertainment. Like yeah. still in the 90s, you know, you could accidentally find anime in the children's section because it was a cartoon and and they were getting like just anybody to dub these things. Like I said, a lot of them we don't even know because they were doing it under pseudos or were employees. Uh, so, wow. yeah, th- th- this was like I think Ghost, Ghost in the Shell was such a big hit with like the Suncoast of the world that it was time they started throwing real money at this. Also, I'm just reminded, Raffrey, of a time that I went to an arcade, uh, in one of the prizes they had on a wall was a fucking DVD of Blue Gender. <laughs> yeah, right? Or just, I, I remember hearing a story of someone whose, uh, whose daycare, uh, they would play Bubblegum Crisis. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, wow. That, that's, that's something else to unpack. Y- you know what? Yeah, it's pretty terrible. That's... Someone who loves Bubblegum Crisis, that's fucking ridiculous. I know. Yeah. Also, completely different thing, but I do remember, uh, I do remember, there's always also the thing of like, oh, hey, it's Easter, let's watch Watership Down. It's about bunnies, right? <laughs> you know some weird people. Oh, no, that was a well, thing that happened on TV. That, yeah, that is, that is, that has been a thing that's been well documented. Wow, that's, that, that, that's some people not doing research. So, I swear that I remember seeing a thing on it, like a picture of HBO, like one well, of the family channels in like at some point, I swear I saw uh, a listing for they were showing Fritz the cat at one point, which is a major research failure <laughs> uh, or or a severe editing hack job. I, I doubt it was edited. If they edited, uh, they would have never put it in the first place because I'll also clarify for those who don't know what Blue Gender is. It's a very heavy, very fucked up anime with a very strong green message that's kind of ass backwards. Hey, uh, you know I'll... the parts we, we don't like about Neon Genesis Evangelion? What if we made an entire movie out of nothing but that? Yeah, but worse. It's, it's, uh. Also, I swear that I remember seeing, uh, one of my local video stores. I uh, just put the blue girl in with the regular anime. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that is that is a story. For, also, Ninja Scroll was very commonly shown in like anime sections. And that's I felt like that should have been separated. Like that's not as bad as some of the ones, but that one's still pretty bad. Uh, but I digress. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, Torfa, I think we've thought you I think we've actually kind of discovered this last question. How do you feel about the production quality of this movie? Yeah, in general, it's pretty good. Uh, very, very good looking, very sweet looking animation. Uh, character designs were very striking. All that. Uh, the soundtrack was was very unique and interesting, uh, and I actually really appreciate it for that. Uh, which is almost a shame that uh, fucking Stand of the Complex sort of diverged from that, but also that's perfectly fine because Yoko Kano is a goddamn wizard. But uh, I forget who did the soundtrack for this. Uh, Kenji Kawai. Uh, because uh, they are a... 
Um, they are a staple of Mamoru Oshii work. Uh, they have been yeah. involved. They are basically hip to hip, uh, going back even to the OVAs of Pat Labor. Pat Labor. Huh. Yeah, it's Pat Labor, but it's just so much easier to say Pat Labor. Yeah. Um. Okay. Um. Uh. Rafferty. Oh yeah, I think the production value is clearly like on display. Like everybody talks about the Garbage Man shootout because uh, that that's amazing to watch. And uh, I think the the major floating up from the river with her face reflecting on the surface is also an iconic shot. Uh, in fact, iconic is a way to describe a lot of this movie because there's a lot of things like the falling out the window, the 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 shootouts like the whole garbage scene uh um chasing the garbage man around that's a very good action shot by shot make everything is clearly uh the movie is great to look at and which of course like i keep beating this dead horse which is why it kills me that you get to the end and okay ripping apart the tank is pretty cool but the, there's just some sequences like a lot of the lying there motionlessly and just talking about how we need to evolve, I would kill to just have a bad CGI, like of like bubbles saying we need, you know, like in the manga, just anything to look at. No, no, it, I I agree with you one hundred percent. Just this juxtaposition of like this big tank fight and this incredibly detailed tearing apart of the body, and then just them lying there for like ten fucking minute straight doing nothing <laughs> i think it's it, it might be a metaphor for the animators who when they got done with that scene like okay we need a break <laughs> out of money now <laughs> put all but our they, budget they, in those previous scenes. we put all our budget in that man getting turned to a pile of gore we're done yeah well it, it's weird because the movie at the time they were hyping up like oh my god we use digital compositing this is the future and it's like they easily could have put in a sequence in there of like, because uh, you see it in standalone complex in especially second gig when they dive into the net and there's all that weird CGI type stuff going on. Like if they had just done a bargain basement version of that, it would have blown our minds in 1995. It would have looked good. It wouldn't have been that expensive. Just anything. I mean, th there were the shots of the section six folks coming in on the helicopters, but that only did so much to really, otherwise pick apart the scene of just two voices yeah, that, that, going at it the, the helicopter happens. shots look like they came from a from the second unit director i mean I'm, you watch the garbage man scene and there's lots of little bits of where they're driving the car around at odd angles and especially what i really like is when uh the one guy who's got the high grade bullets that are overrated for his gun like he changes his posture, tightens his grip. You feel really tense into that, and it's like, wow, they're doing all this little extra stuff that a, that a lower rent, you know, anime wouldn't do. And it's like that looks really cool. And then you get to like the helicopter scene looks like it, like I said, it came out of a much lower budget movie. Maybe they yeah. did use up all their money on the garbage man scene, but it it's still you don't want to, shouldn't end on that. It's it's very weirdly paced, just in general. Seconded. So that's my that's my two cents. All right, uh, Carnival. Yeah, like, it, uh, it was very good to look at, except, and then we get, we get philosophical philosophize that for a bit at the ending. Uh, don't forget that sweet symbolism on the wall in the back. Yes. Which, that also apparently was a reference to another one of Oshi's other works called Angel Egg. Fucking course it was. What, what, the ending? Uh, the, the, specifically the, the shot of 
at the in the tank scene the the tank shooting up the tree the the, the evolutionary oh. tree leading up to humanus uh, or whatever the fuck it had dominus it was a really dumb really stupid symbolism thing yeah um well since i think we've kind of went over uh or went uh um yeah the i i fully admit i I really like this movie looks really good and has really good production quality and i can't really think of anything else to say flexes its fucking budget a number of times oh yes um so i think we've kind of gone into the uh general themes of the movie already uh basically kind of going into how it tries to talk into transhumanism but kind of fumbles it quite a bit uh, so I think we actually... It's, I'd argue it's less that it quite fumbles it, and it's more like it builds up to it with no payoff. Yeah, that's probably a better way of putting it. No, um, I mean, I, I would say it fumbles it, because... Or I'm going to complain about the ending, because I have to. So I mean, I guess, the, I guess building up to it with no payoff is fumbling it, but yeah. Yeah, uh, be, because, like, in the manga, um, uh, the they, they do a much bigger search to get a body, because originally the Major has a... Um, has another body that's stashed, but uh, it's gone bad. So they have to get another body real quick, and um, then uh, the one that, that Bato finds uh, is revealed uh, at, you know, the Major tells Bato, says, hey, you realize that you put me in the body of an adult male. And Bato gets upset, but the Major, being the Major and so dead to the world as Torpid mentioned, like, just no-sells it. But in that way, it's kind of a metaphor of, well, the Major's literally transformed from woman to man. And I don't know, did they just decide, like, in the 90s that would just blow people's minds so they had to put her in the body of a little girl instead? I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's always struck me as, like, like it's a nice... It, first, maybe they thought it was too levitous because it was a joke and this movie hates humor. So uh, they removed anything that was remotely humorous, but but in in the manga, it's a nice like it's a nice little joke and a couple of transcendence. The major's literally transformed into something different, and now things are going to be different. And it, the the ending they chose for the movie, they just kind of no sell it and just turn her into a to a cutesy little girl, like it's a metaphor for the anime industry or something. It it it's one of those things that I've uh, always like struck me as they're kind of missing the point. Uh, transhumanism could also be seen as a little out of the norm and transgressive and moving beyond. And this movie just consistently makes a lot of safe choices and walking away from anything that might, you know, that they think might confuse their audience or something. So also Bato's hand wave was really weird, which is, he says is the quickest thing I could get on the black market. Uh, also it's great in that scene is that, uh, for about oh, I'd say about three lines, they changed the voice actor, and then it's like, yeah, no, I'm just using my normal voice anymore. <laughs> it's calibration. You just got to get the calibration working, and then there we go. We're back to normal. Just had one hell of a frog in your throat. Well, the line in the manga was Bato says, "I wondered why your voice was so deep," but yeah, it, it's it, it's just one of the those choices. I'm. I, I guess I might say that like, I don't think the director quite got it. I think they were so in love with the visuals of Kowloon Walled City and the giant tank and that kind of stuff getting ripped up that they I don't think they quite got what a transhuman movie might actually be about. Poss- possibly. I can't exact. I don't remember what like I, I think Angel Angel's Egg might also be about like something like that, but I think it's of a different type. So possibly 
that it was he was trying to go for a different message than that and it just kind of that got pushed to the side uh, yeah it, i'm just putting on the list of things that bug me i'd honestly say it was probably more of a just like a choice of just less not getting it more of like i would say the whole kind of not taking the joke taking the like oh crap this is the only body we could find joke and more of just that was i would say lean towards the thing of like not making the ending humor kind of like having a joke out of it would be something i would lean to say why that choice was made on yeah um so uh so i yeah um yeah i guess with that uh i think we've kind of gone over this movie uh quite a bit uh so uh with that i think it is time to actually rank this thing uh so if this is your first time uh we will be using our normal 1 to 21 scale uh with one being considered absolute mastercraft and very little things can be done to uh kind of improve it uh to 21 which is basically complete garbage uh not even fun ironically uh just don't even bother touching it i guess um so uh carnival uh what would you rank this so i'm looking at the listing and i'd have to say like it's like i very much enjoy this movie but i feel like i'd probably between a five to seven range probably gonna okay uh rafferty wow you were more harsh than i would have been yeah Um, what uh yeah, well i mean i can I, I i can agree that um there's lots of little bits about it that bug me like like it's stand standalone complex and first and second gig exist and i just think they're just way better than this um and uh, and the bits i've complained about but i have to admit like the movie just looks amazing in, in its original cut it, it stands up today in 1995 and it's got that citizen kane quality i mentioned where everybody's ripping it off so so oh, if it loses some of its luster it's because the matrix came out oh, um, fuck the matrix Ugh. i've never seen the so, matrix all the way either so it has not aged gracefully right so i i would put this movie around a three or a four um uh i mean i would have put it like i love shiro and i would have put it as one but i i think the fact that that it's the lackluster ending and the fact that I, I I don't agree with a lot of their choices. This movie could have been smarter. It could have been funnier. It could have been both. It it the pacing could have been better. So I would put it at three or four. Probably if you held a gun to my head, I'd say three. Okay, uh, Torpo. Yeah, you know it's funny. Uh, whenever going into these, even things I like, I always never expect us to rip into it quite as much as we end up doing. It, we we've had this thing of. The, and I think it's also because there are things that come after this that we kind of enjoy more uh, that kind of makes the original thing that we're talking about pale in comparison. Uh, but that's in a relative sense. In an absolute sense, I still think it also it's that it's the thing of absolute versus relative. Like we're ripping into it relative to standalone complex. Um, but I think as overall, if you look at like the time span of everything, I still think that we feel like it is still higher. Like, I think, cause a lot of it, I feel like is just could have been better, like in a sense of something that would knock it down from like a four to a five, like not something that's like, Oh, this is outright bad. This just could be better. Yeah. Now, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm probably judging against standalone complex a bit too much. So yeah, I'd say a five. I'm ripping into it because of the manga, and well, Appleseed and Black Magic '88 also came before this. Uh, so I, I was gonna say, actually, 
part of it too is it's very hard to convey how fun something is while doing like an in-depth analysis because this movie's a lot of fucking fun despite its flaws uh but in part because of its strengths it's 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 a really fun movie and really enjoyable and i would honestly say a three at the very least okay um so yeah um looks like we're in the three to five or like the three to five range um so I mean, if you split that, I mean, you put it like my thoughts is that I, yeah, I was thinking of putting it roughly in that range. Um, Cause like, like I would watch this over East. Yeah. 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 You're right. You're I, right. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I feel like, cause I'm looking at this, like compare, especially like comparing it to Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. Um, Okay, that was kind of a thing of like, yes, I would definitely watch this over yeah. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence, because that's a that's a depressing war film. Yeah, like it, it's the thing of like, it's like three to four. Yeah, I do feel three to four. I, also, to be fair, East might be rated a little highly, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, that that could be. I feel like that's that's a but, asterisk right there. Um, the thing I, I, that. I was saying, like, I was more like comparing it to Dirty Pair Project Eden, and like, I I kind of feel like that. Like, if you like, if someone asked me if, um, like, if they should watch Dirty Pair or Ghost in the Shell, I could honestly, I'd have to think about that because that would be a question of that is more going on the taste rather than one being. Just better than the other. Yeah, you're right. Though that's definitely an argument of more something a bit more upbeat and fun, more upbeat and like lighthearted, more morose. Yeah, film. Uh, because this is an action movie, but it is not a like, it's not like say Die Hard, for example. But yeah, it's it's it's, it's a good fun movie, but also I would rather watch Pat Labor. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I think yeah. they're different sides of the coin, like like because Dirty Pair is just Gonzo silly, but doesn't let up and is always like fun to look at, but is also like very silly. Yeah. Um. Whereas this movie is not. Yeah. In that sense, uh, I would say if you put Ghost in the Shell and Pat Pat Labor next to each other, I would say Pat Labor almost any time. Uh, I would say almost pretty much anything Pat Labor. Um, Pat Labor OVA is so fucking good. Uh, a- OVA I don't is know. I I love Pat Labor, but it's kind of like I, I think uh, uh, Pat Labor. You have to buy into the sci-fi working class thing that's going on there. Um, Ghost in the Shell, you could enjoy certain scenes of it, but uh, you know, because like I said, they're iconic scenes. It's just that there'll be also be stretches that you want to fast forward over. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I still say that this is probably I I would say three is the ceiling for this. Sure. Um, I kind of feel like this should be a three. Yeah, no arguments there. So, I think that puts us all in agreement. Yeah. Okay. So this gets it's a three. good movie. But yeah, it's always the thing. It's like yeah, it's a bunch of stuff we can find wrong with it. Oh yeah, it's just really good by design though. It's way better in widescreen with Dolby Sound, I'll tell you that. Yeah, as I said, I was I was playing a Blu-ray version, so that's what we got. Ken Lamar Oshi, director. It's, just, it's it's always like hard to convey how enjoyable a thing is when you're doing like this complex narrative breakdown. 
Oh, just movies? watch it back to back with the live action American remake. No! no, we don't speak of that. The mind of a Japanese woman in the body of an American woman. The, 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 the remake is so terrible. Okay, that's there. We finally have a thing to use the cyberpunk tech. Oh my nice. god, the Arise movies are better than that. And the Arise movies aren't particularly good. Okay, yeah. definitely put gore plus for that. Um, also, I'm going to force uh, the fuckers to watch Incense and understand pain. Also, I'm going to put age as well for the there there is nudity but there is not sex of the like that. Yeah. Well this is definitely for mature audiences. I, I think that might be like like comparing this to say Bubblegum Crisis, which a lot of you brought up, it's like Bubblegum Crisis is a lot more fluffy and let's face it, Bubblegum Crisis has fan service. This yeah. movie does not have a lot of fan service. No. No, it does not. Um like even like that first bit is just her being built in there is a lot of scenes of her like just it is like if it were anything else it would be ogling but it is just it is making of a cyborg um with that um let's see is there anything we want to call out in regards to music charm cinematography storytelling action and art oh god fucking Art, music, and action are all yeah. fucking incredible. Yeah, I, I think yeah. all of us were impressed by those. Yeah, definitely. Uh, cinematography. I think. I think that What's also between like, art and cinematography? Um, uh, art is visual. Like art, art is aesthetic. No, cinematography is, like, is, cinematography is like uh, scene composition. Yeah, which I actually I would say there's a reason a lot of scenes are iconic in this. Yeah, yeah, I think. Or, or like, Raffer, you're talking about the man squaring up, getting ready for the shot with the high velocity rounds. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. I think I think we agree the movie has pacing and directing problems. So I would definitely say yes to art, but I'm not sure I could say yes to cinematography. No, let's just give it art. Yeah. Um, it, it, charm is a weird one for this one. I wouldn't really call it charm. I just say it just looks really cool. Yeah, I'm not sure about where to say. Do you have like a milestone icon or something like that? Uh, yeah, I do. Because this is the yeah. movie everyone's ripping off. Yeah, man. Now I'm just thinking of Oni. It's the was. Velvet Underground of cyberpunk movie. Is oh there it is. Oh that's not. I thought I had one. Oh well. Maybe I'll put that. Are we using Anchor or something? That actually might be a good idea. I don't think you were using Place of Interest, which is the weird clover symbol. There we go. Um, yeah, that's good for that. Um, any yay or nays? I think we all complained about the pacing. I was going to say wasted potential. Yeah, uh, oh, uh, we can do, yeah, story, actually. But wasted potential in story. Or drama, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, mean, I would have to agree with that. Like, um, ah, uh, oh, I got problems. Pacing issues. That pace feels too sluggish. It's sporadic is the problem and, and there's stuff they don't need um oh i wonder if there could be a charm that's like bloated know, like a balloon that it was like not that long a movie i would just put like a wrench or something in there that says this needs fixing yeah like rough around the edges because there's yeah. good parts and there's bad parts yeah because i can't spell the word wrench there it is it looks bad, but whatever. Um, yeah, like the wrench. Um, 
Did someone mention something else? I don't think so. Okay. I think that's probably good for that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we need to overthink it. All right. So, yep, there's Ghost in the Shell. It's a number three. It's a three. Uh, very good movie. That it, it There's a reason why it's one of the iconic anime movies. Um, so, uh, I guess with that, uh, before we head out, um, Carval, is there anything you want to plug? You can follow me on Twitter at... And remember, she's got incredible math. She is incredible math. Stop fucking it up. Okay, Rafferty? Um, yeah, so if you're listening to this in June of 2020, uh, uh, my company, Sanguine Games, makes a cyberpunk game called Bleeding Edge for tabletop role-playing, and I believe this week it's actually free. So if you want to download that from drivethroughrpg.com, it's called Bleeding Edge, high-tech, low-life role-play, and it's a we go into great detail of cyberpunk as a movement throughout the ages and talk about all kinds of nerdy stuff. So, Hey, all right. Uh, Torpo, uh, twitch.tv slash torpotypist and at torpotypist on Twitter. And I would like to pu- uh, plug the holes punch through my tank by that giant fucking anti-tank rifle. All right. My baby. Also real quick, incredibly detailed fucking bullet impact, uh, marks in that yep. goddamn movie. Oh, yeah. Um, like when Bato punches a hole in that tank, you can fucking feel it. Yeah, that is very much. I think that is it. It's something that's very prevalent in Mamoroshi stuff. Um, so, yeah, uh, with that, that is enough of Ghost in the Shell. So next week we have um, a very different movie, an extremely different movie. Mm-hmm. Um we're talking about the road to El Dorado, uh, which is about as opposite of a movie of this you can get. Uh, not to say that it's bad, uh, very much not. But definitely don't want to say that. But it, it's about as totally different as you can possibly get. Um. So yeah. Uh, with that, uh, thank you all for listening. If you would like to look at the full list of rankings for yourself, please visit r3.ldp.life and go to the Media Delta List tab. If you would like to watch Media Delta's sister show, Retro Rank Rhapsody, you can either watch at youtube.ltp.life or by tuning into twitch.tv slash lodopuzzlo at 7.30 p.m. on Fridays, 2.30 p.m. on Saturdays, and 1 p.m. on Sundays. All those times are from the Eastern U.S. time zone. If you would like to discuss this episode with the community, you can do so by joining our Discord server, which you can do so by going to discord.ldp.life. Thank you again for listening, and I hope you tune in for our next episode.